Well, good morning to each one of you. It is a blessing to be with you. Welcome to each one. Thank you as a church from Carol and I for providing for our stay there at the conference. The conference is truly a refreshment to us, and it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that was broken day after day after day that continually uh, resonates in our hearts. Also want to invite you this morning to turn with me to Ephesians 6. We enter the last phase of this this book. This is the final phase of Ephesians 6 of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. We want to read from verses want to read from verses 10 through 20 through 20. Can we all stand as we read the word? <clears throat> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And, having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with, with which you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Our Lord, this morning as we stand before your word, Father, we are in gratitude and worship and, and we rejoice for the provision that you have made for us. But Father, we are also we stand in fear of you, knowing that, Lord, it is only because of your grace that we can claim the benefits and blessings of this chapter. So I pray this morning that your spirit might work in our hearts this morning, that we would remember that our salvation is in you alone, in Christ alone, and that by your word alone, we discern what is true and what is false, and by by the Spirit, we understand your word. And we ask that your Spirit would move in us. Move us, Lord, to, to do the right things with our lives. To change the priorities that need to be changed. To govern our lives according to the truth. We ask, Lord, for your blessing and your comfort and your grace to be multiplied in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
Well, he comes, we come to the first word of this passage and he says, finally. Now he's saying finally because this is the last section of this book. We have been going through the book of Ephesians and in the first part of the book, he lays out the doctrine of salvation. In fact, as we look at Ephesians, Ephesians was not written to address one certain thing, one certain problem. It's a little bit unlike the book of Corinthians, for instance, where they had questions and there were problems and Paul is writing a letter to them to, to answer certain questions and address certain problems. We don't find any of that in Ephesians. And what we find is, is actually somewhat of a blanket, somewhat of a, of a, of a principled uh, letter that says, this is good for everybody. This is, take this, everybody can use it, everybody can, can make it yours. He lays out the doctrine of salvation in the first two chapters. And from chapter 3 through the middle of chapter 6, it's practical application, how we should walk, how we should conduct our lives, what we should be doing with our lives, how we should live in the places where he's called us. And in the last part of chapter 6, it is about standing. So I think uh, Watchman Nee wrote a book years ago, a little book called Sit, Walk, Stand. And it was on the book of Ephesians. And that's what you have. You sit down in Christ. It's a positional place that you've been brought to as a believer. Then you're taught how to walk. The Holy Spirit works in you and he teaches you how to walk out the things that Christ has worked in. And then in the final, in the, final, in the closing chapter, he teaches us to stand. And he says, this is where I'm coming to finally. And if you want to know the truth, friends, it's all building up to this place. He saves us. He teaches us how to walk so he can, so that we know how to stand. Because in the end, that is our problem. Man cannot stand against the evil. We just sang that song that though this world with devils filled would threaten to undo us. Now, now I'll just tell you, if we stopped right there, the, the devils are undoing the world around us. We see that. We talked about that. But we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. And I want us to note this morning that our standing is because there's someone within us that makes us to stand. And if that is not there, if he is not in us, this doesn't apply to you this morning. You are being washed down the current, down the stream, with the tide of the philosophies and the ideologies of the day today. Even though you may appear outwardly to be standing, though you may have an appearance of strength, Unless the issue is in the heart, you don't have a heart to stand. I want to make that clear up front. And I invite you this morning, if this is you, please take a strong look at this, at this passage. 
take a thorough dive into the meaning of this passage. And somehow find that, and, and somehow seek God to make you be a part of what he has for his church here in this passage. For those of us who are believers, it is, this is for us. He has conquered hell for us. He, he broke the bonds of death for us. And this victory that he gives us here is for us, and he's teaching us how to do it. And I want us to pay attention because most times we find that shallow teaching in the Word of God produces shallow living and low views of God and very little worship. It's when you dig into the depth of the Word of God and the, de- the Word of God gets into the depth of your soul that you have high views of God, that you have transcendent worship, that you have a strong desire to pursue what God has done. And so what he's calling us to here this morning is something that we must enter into, but something we cannot do of ourselves. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong. The command, this is a command to be strong. He says, be strong because there is the ability for every brother and sister in Christ to be strong. In fact, it's when Jesus told his disciples, oh, you of weak faith or little faith, he was trying to help them to become strong in faith. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He says, be strong in the Lord. Number one is strong in the Lord. This is not physical strength, although it affects us physically. It's not, it's not a, a mental strength, although it affects our minds. It's not an emotional high. Although it affects our emotions. It's not a decisional strength, although it affects our will. It is God working in all of these to make us who he wants us to be. And it is only these that will stand, as we see in the last of this passage, in the evil day. What kind of strength is the Lord commanding us to to have. If you're going to stand firm, you must be strong. If you're going to stand firm, you must be strong. That's why it's not something we come up with. It's not something we attain to, but it's something He does in us. The best example I, I know of, in a literal example, is out of 1 Samuel 17, and I'm just going to read that for you here. This is David facing Goliath. And when David faces Goliath, I want us to understand this is a very physical thing that took place there. You have the little man taking down the big man. You have the, 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 the boy slaying the giant. 
But let's notice some very key things in this passage. 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 to 47. Then David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will... Sorry, I wrote that wrong. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Do you notice that David, though he, he rejected the armor of Saul, and he was going against somebody who'd been trained in warfare all their lives, and not only that, he was a giant of a man with immense strength, and he could have taken David out any time under natural circumstances, any time that he wanted to. But let's note what David is saying. He is bold and strong, but it is not with sword and spear. He's bold and strong, but it's not with sling and stone. He's bold and strong, it's not with his shepherd's staff. Let's notice why he is bold and strong. He is bold and strong because he is confident in God. He is in the Lord. God is doing this in him. This is his place of strength. And that's the kind of strength he's calling us to here. It's not that we have the ability to somehow tackle this problem of the, of the devil coming in and sweeping this nation into ruin. How are we going to be able to do it ourselves? We can't. It is only by the power of God in us that we won't be taken along with that flood. But rather we'll stand up to it and overcome it. David wasn't bold just because of his own self-awareness. Or his own gifts. Or his own abilities. But David was bold because he was full of the promises of God. What do you think he was doing out there in the fields tending sheep? He was thinking on the Word of God. He was writing songs about the Word of God. He was being faithful in the place where God had brought him. That's what he was doing. And it was building in him the ability to stand firm, to stand strong. And so what we have here is strength in the Lord. Only strength in the Lord. I want to ask you this morning if your life depends upon your strength in the Lord. What is that going to look like to you today? A lot of us have strength. We may have physical strength. We may have the ability to, 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 to be strong. 
mentally, maybe tough in difficult situations. But I want to ask you, if it comes down to your dependence upon the Lord, where are you? How would that really look? John told, uh, told the elder there that I wish that your soul, I mean that your body, would be in the same, just as healthy as your soul is. And what do you mean by that? Well, he was sick in body, but he was, he was healthy in his soul. He was strong in his heart toward the Lord. And he said, if, if, if your body would be in the shape of your soul, you would have good health. I want to ask you, would you have good health this morning? If this was you. Now not only does he say strong in the Lord. But he also we note that he says in the power of his might. There's a source where this strength comes from. And it's a strength that as we were talking about comes from within. And let's go to Romans 6 verses 1 through 5. Romans 6, verses 1 through 5. And I want us to look at the source of this power. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 11. Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So when we come to, the, to an understanding of the power or the strength of the Christian, in chapter 5 he talks about grace being the, the free gift, being the, the means of salvation. And if we say, well, it's just all about what God has given me, and I can just live my life as I've always lived. And he's, that's what he's asking. He says, if you explain grace as grace ought to be explained... There's, there should be a question, well, what then? Do we sin that grace may abound all the more? Are we going to have more grace? You know, it seems like as much sin as we've had, God has met that sin with grace. He said, God forbid. Now that you're a child of God, you don't understand grace if that's what you're doing. If that's the way you're thinking. But he says, if you're going to deal with the issue of sin in your heart, he says, how are you going to understand that 
the one that when you lived in that sin, you were changed, you died to that sin. You see, the, the strength of the Christian, the power that he's talking about here is a power that comes from being taken to death with Christ. It is a power that was united us in his death and united us in his resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that works in the Christian to cause him to stand. And sometimes we want to get it too complicated. But it's just that simple, folks. Your union with Christ is the means of your power. And we should never underestimate that place that God has called us to be. It is with Christ, in Christ, by Christ, that we can sustain. In fact, if sometimes people want to get close, they want to come around Christ. They want to come around his people. They want to get as close as they can, but they are not in Christ, and Christ is not in them. And the difficulties of life, the trials, the tribulations will soon prove that they don't want anything to do with Christ when it comes down to it. That's why the churches today are being washed out by Satan. There's no issue of Christ within. If you're going to go along with the issue of sin, you're not going to be able to stand against that sin. If all you have is your own strength to deal with the problem of sin, you're going to fail at some point. The reality is that as Christians, as believers, in verse 11, he says that we are to reckon. We're to count. We're to de determine that our life back there was dead in Christ. When Christ went to the cross, he took every sin of every person whom he would save to the cross with him, and he took it to his grave. And when he rose again, he rose with a new man, the new man of every child of his. And he gave them that same new life that he received when he came out of the grave. And folks, that's the power that causes us to stand in this passage. It is our union with Christ. And so when Satan wants you to look at things around you, go back to your union with Christ. Go back to this fundamental truth. This is where we stand. That's why Martin Luther made that bold declaration that day. When, the, when they tried to get him to recant his, his teachings, he said, I have to stand alone on the, on the faith, alone on the truth. It's Christ alone. It's the scriptures alone. It's faith alone. It's by grace alone. And it's for the glory of God alone. He said, here I stand, so help me God. Against people that wanted him to dilute that message to say, well, it's Christ and it's the, the Pope. It's Christ and it's Mary. It's, it's the word and the teachings of the church. And on and on and on. It was diluted. 
to the point where it wasn't, it wasn't salvation at all. And he said, if, if though this world with devils filled would threaten to undo us, we've got one place where we can go, and that's to the man Christ Jesus. And he said, I'll lay my life's blood right here for that. Listen, folks, that's the kind of stand God is asking us to take today. That we will lay our life down. Our lives are the Lord's. And this is for love of him and none other. In Romans 8 verse 11 he says, But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In you, He's simply saying that if, the, if the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that dwells in his people. Colossians 2 verse 12 says, Buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. That's why when we baptize, we put them under and we bring them back. It is a symbol. It is symbolism of God taking us and putting us into the death of Christ and raising us in the resurrection of Christ. And the new life that he gives as we are raised is the life that he calls us to live in. I want to ask you this morning. What are you full of? Is this life fill you? Do you find your fulfillment in this life? What you're full of will soon be shown as the world jostles you, sloshes you, just like a full glass. You know, pretty soon this thing is full. Pretty soon you see what's in it because it comes out. And that's the way we ought to be. Charles Spurgeon said that if you pricked John Bunyan anywhere, he would bleed Bibline or he'd bleed the Bible. He was so full of the Word of God. Listen, that is our call. If we're going to be strong in that day, it is because the Word of God abides in us. First John says that I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. You see, the living word is the one to whom you were, we were united. And the written word is the one to whom we, is, is who we must listen, is what we must listen to. And they are one. This is what it means to be in Christ. Are you in union with Christ this morning? Are you raised up with him in new life? The first thing that David did was he acknowledged that the battle he was in was the Lord's. And so you and I, if we've been raised in newness of life, we must understand that this battle, this day, in the place where God has put us right now, is the Lord's. We're to be active. We're to care. 
We're to witness. We're to love. We're to show mercy. We're to reach out a hand to help any way we can. But the battle is the Lord's. And if we're not going to be washed out, it will only be because the Lord has completed his work in us. Well, not only are we to be strong in the Lord, but in the power of his might, it's the sustaining power that continues to, to, to give strength. It's not just a one-time flash-in-the-pan deal. This is how you know the true believers. Do they stand on a continual basis? Or do they flash in the pan and then they're gone? I think we're supposed to understand that even about ourselves. We're supposed to ask and question our own faith. Say, am I in the faith that God says is saving people from their sins? Am I united with Christ? And is that power working in me that raised Christ from the dead? Colossians 1 verse 11a says, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. That's where our power comes from. It's because of his power. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I want you to be strong because you're going to suffer much. I want you to be strong in the grace that Christ has given. It is God who enables the believer to endure, to be strong even to the end. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 25. And he says here in this beautiful passage of Scripture that he is the one who sustains all. Isaiah 40. And he makes a beautiful application here. And I'm just going to read this quickly. To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and his strength and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my claim, my just claim, is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God is pointing to Israel, and he's saying, whom you're going to liken to me? He says, I call every star by its name, and it comes out, not one is missing. I care so much about this creation, but yet, he says, how much more? 
Would he not care for your soul? To know that you are struggling, that you can't stand, that you need help. You say, my way is hidden from God. He don't see me. He doesn't know my problem. He doesn't have an answer for my questions. He can't really, he, he's, he's too big and he's too involved in other things to care about my life. He said, if I cared this much about the stars of the heaven, how much more will I not care for you? That's what Jesus said to us when he was here. So he says, you, why do you say, O oh Jacob, my way's hidden, my just claim, I've got a just thing here. I've got a, something that I need to stand on, and, I, and I'm having trouble. I'm, 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 I'm not being heard by God. It says he gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases their strength. God is the source of the strength that he commands in Ephesians 5, 6. I'm sorry, in Ephesians 6. Yes, God is the source of that strength. Physical strength is going to deplete. Young men are going to grow weary. Young men have a limit. There's a time where they get tired. The Lord doesn't quit. The Lord doesn't get tired. And our union to Him means that our strength that doesn't grow dim where it comes only from him. That's why he says, they that wait on the Lord. There's a waiting. There's, a, there's an attending to, and that's what that word wait means. It's like a waiter who waits on a table. It tends to the table. One who, who attends to the things of the Lord. One who cares about the Lord, who cares about His Word, who cares about the things He wants. They're going to find their strength renewed. The one who stays right there. They're going to find their strength to be able to be that which goes on when everybody else is quitting. If He cares so much, for his stars, will he not care for you as the temple of his Holy Spirit? One in whom his spirit dwells, will he not care that much for you? How much more will he care? He does care. It is too much. Is it too much this morning for you to acknowledge and confess your weakness? Knowing that to be humble about this is not only going to bring... Knowing that to not be humble about this is only going to bring more failure and discouragement. This morning I, I, would, I would challenge you to confess your need. Humble yourself. This is the place where God answers prayer. It's when we humble ourselves. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And if he's going to give us grace, friends, it's, it's going to be because he's worked in us to be humble. To be proud. To, to, to stand against God. 
is only going to mean more failure, more discouragement, more trouble. And in the end, ultimately death. But if you will wait on the Lord, He will open your eyes to the Word. He will open your eyes to the tool of His choice, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 1, we saw how that... He, he says that His prayer was that God would open, enlighten your eyes that you may see what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in Christ Jesus. And that you may know the power of His resurrection. This is, this is what He is speaking on here. This is what He is teaching us. That to be strong in the Lord is not just something to pass lightly over. But that God is at work in the hearts of the people he bought and paid for with the blood of Christ to give them strength to stand in the evil day till the very end. This life, this strength, this power stands good in the day of judgment. It is the only means by which we stand at that last day. And so I want us to understand that God's calling us to something in the Christian faith He's calling us to something that goes way beyond us. It's way above us. And we must have his means. Let's look quickly at the means he uses, his word. His word is the means he uses. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. That's what God wants us to be equipped with to stand. Romans 13 verse 12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. As a believer, you want to know, what is God saying to you? What is He wanting to teach you? How is He wanting to make you strong by this word? It's going to include, first of all, a casting off of the works of darkness. You know, when somebody gets up in the morning, they throw off the night clothes, and they put on the day clothes. There's, there's clothes that they use for work that they don't use when they go to bed. And he says, that is the way it was. You were people of the darkness and of the night. There were works that went with that darkness. There were things that occupied you in that darkness. Now you have been transformed into the kingdom of light, Take those things off. Get rid of those things and put on the new man. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is essentially what he is saying. And that is the armor of light. The Lord Jesus Christ is the armor of light. As we understand this armor, the reason he says put on the full armor of God is because when we put on the armor of God, as he is speaking of here, the armor not only protects us, but it positions us and leads us and takes us where we need to go. Unlike the armor of this world, when a Roman soldier was dressed in full armor, he was, he, his, his body was protected on all sides and all parts by that armor. But that, he had to make that armor, 
He had to move in spite of being weighed down with that armor. The power had to come from himself. But I want us to know that direction and power come through the armor of God. As we clothe ourselves with the Word, the Word moves us. Martin Luther said, I've read many books, but this book reads me. And listen, friends, it is that it is by putting on the armor of God that we put on Christ and Christ leads us in this manner. Because as we face the enemy, he doesn't need to face us by ourselves. He needs to we don't need him to face us by ourselves. We need to face him with Christ as our clothing, with Christ as the one who is meeting face to face with the devil. Put on the full armor of God means to put on Christ, the living word, and to immerse ourselves into the written word. That word to put on here is the word Greek word in dio, which means to sink into one's clothing, to be fully covered by your clothing. And when a Roman soldier was, was, was fully dressed for battle you couldn't see the man you saw a bunch of armor that moved and so that's the way it is with christ when satan comes to tempt you and you are in christ and you are in his word it is christ whom he sees and he must and you must resist him with christ's power with christ's word with christ's authority and he will flee from you that is what Christ wants for us. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. If you could write that down, go home and read that. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. We don't have time to read that here. But he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. Young men, I know the temptations that are out there for you. They're strong, and they get a hold of you, and they do things in your life that, are, that you later regret if you heed them. But I want to tell you something. Get into this Word. Young men, be strong in the Word of God, because that is the way God defends you from the from the influx and the attack of the enemy. <clears throat> because now we're using God's ability to stand against Satan, not ours. It is God's purpose, his will, his strength, his power, his means, not us. Don't despise any part of the armor of God. Take it all and put it all on. You will need it. You must have it. It is for us. It is for our benefit. This is the reason we want the preaching and the word of God to be front and center here. Because of everything that we need, we must hear from God. If we don't hear from God, we haven't heard much of anything this morning. In fact, we've heard nothing that will benefit us in this warfare. 
we must have a steadfast mind about God's word. Moses told the children of Israel, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my hand over the sea. And we're going to walk through on dry ground. And I'm going to turn around and we'll put my hand over the sea again. And you, wanna, you need to stand back, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. The people were called to obey the word of God. But it wasn't them who slew the enemy. It was God who took care of the enemy for them. Many times you struggle, 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 struggle against sin. I want to ask you something. Are you struggling your way? Or have you stood still to see the salvation of the Lord? If you will allow God to work in you that thing He is well pleased with, and you have to sit back in humility, and you have to sit back in, 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 in repentance, and you have to sit back in, in, in lowliness of mind, and take from the Word of God what He has to say. He'll deliver you. And you'll be able to see the salvation of the Lord. You'll be able to see God at work in your heart. The salvation, the life that He brought in will be will will come to effect. So I want to ask you this morning, when Satan comes knocking, young men, are you strong? Young women, old men, old women, are you strong? You know what? The next time he comes knocking, send Christ to the door. Send the word of God to him. Give him the truth. It's a lion. It, it, will, it will keep you. It will keep you from his devices. It will keep you from his entanglements. It will deliver you from the power of his coercion. But if you're going to try to figure out your way to do this, you'll be back in the same old place, maybe a little worse. We have to learn. It's part of growing. And it's part of what we must understand from this passage that if we're going to stand, it's God at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And when it is God at work to will and to do of his good pleasure, you will find that in this day, you will, be able to, you will delight to put on the armor of God. And it will be a joy to you to send Christ to the door, to, to give the word of God to the devil, and he will flee from you. Unless he is strong in us, we're not strong enough to withstand his attacks. Not only should we look at the means, but we should lastly look at the enemy we stand against. We need to look at the enemy we stand against. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The enemy we stand against, again, is not, it's not, it's not the guy you don't like. 
It's not the neighbor that annoys you. It's not the, the brother that has hurt you. It's not, it's not the, 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 the president that's gone, that's gone awry. It's not the government. The enemy we stand against is the devil himself. All this, this war that we're in today, people talk about culture wars and people talk about social, social problems. It's a spiritual war, my friend. That is at the root of all this stuff. There's a spiritual battle going on. And the, and, the, and the way that God's people will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil is they're going to have to take on the whole armor of God. They're going to need it all. Who are we fighting against? Who are we standing against? He is the father of clever lies and deceitful schemes. He is the devil, the Satan himself and his minions. He uses cunning arts. That's what, it's, that's what this, this word wiles here is. It's cunning arts. It's deceitful craft. It's, it's things that are actually different than what they look like. He's had 6,000 years plus on this earth to, to hone his craft. But he is not all-powerful. He has been conquered by our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the only reason that we have victory over him is because his head has been crushed by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Diablos, the accuser. The one, as Revelation says, he accuses the brethren. He brings accusations before God to about them, to, to, to disparage them and to try to get between them and God and to twist the truth of who they are. When we go to Romans 8, there we find that list where, God's, where he says, What's going to separate us from the love of Christ? So persecution, nakedness, peril, sword. Nay, more in all these, in these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And our answer is that we will only stand as our Lord stands with us. And he has promised to be with us to the end. We're dealing not with physical, physical entities. We're dealing with spiritual entities. Notice that. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It is not, it is, we're not dealing, when we're dealing with somebody who is opposing Christ, we're not dealing with just that individual. The fight is not about that person. The fight is, the fact, is about the fact that there are principalities, there are powers, there are evil minions behind him that are working against the will of God. Therefore, we must be compassionate toward the person and remember that there is an evil force behind him that is causing this opposition. 2 Corinthians 10 Paul speaks directly to this. And here is, here, is our, here is what we are to do with the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That word stronghold is a fortress or a castle or a bunker, if you please. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Notice he says we're casting down arguments. This is thoughts, ideas, speculations, philosophies. By the way, that word philosophy is a, is a it means sophisticated arguments that he puts into our minds that give us excuses for letting them be there. The, the complicated things that Satan brings into our minds and into our hearts. The Word of God assaults those things and brings them down. You're not going to do it by yourself. But it is Christ in His Word that assaults these ideologies that are against God. That's what we're fighting with. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're facing out there. And by the way, that's the battle that the sinner has to deal with in his heart. And unless, unless these ideologies are dealt with here, we're not going to stand against them out there. That's why we need the truth to be broken down and put into our hearts. Because it's what a, when it assaults the lies here, it gives us an understanding of what's lie out there. If we're going to stand in the evil day, then this is what we need. We cannot afford to do anything less. I don't care if you, if you have a psychiatrist who, who knows how to make you feel the best. They can't give you, if they can't give you the word of God and take you to the truth, they don't have what you need to stand in the evil day. To stand in the evil day means that we stand against the deception that comes from these strongholds. And the deception in these strongholds is what brings darkness in this world. And the simple truth lights up and explains and makes clear what has been in the dark. And that is how we will overcome. Satan works through lies. He works through manipulations. He works through things that are undercover and twisted and warped and manipulated to where the truth looks like a lie and the lie looks like a truth. This is why those that are of the world call righteous, righteousness evil and evil good. Satan has thrown such a cloud of darkness upon the realities that they can't see the truth. Their eyes are blinded by the God of this world. And friends, it is only God's word that will take the blinders, <clears throat> pardon me, take the blinders off and shine the light of the truth into the issues and make them clear. 
I want to ask you this morning, what are you versed in this morning? Are you well versed in the Word of God? Are you well able to bring the Word of God up as the assaults come in? Or as you are coming to deal with a problem in your life, are you able to bring the Word of God to to the front of your attention? You see, part of getting the Word of God in in us is hearing and it's hearing with a heart to obey it's reading the word of god and it's meditation how many times in the psalm does he say meditate upon the word think about it i'm going to use an example that may gross you out but there's an old the old cow when she goes out in the field and she begins to eat her grass she fills her tummy with grass and she lay, finds a place to lay down and she brings it back up and chews over it. That's what chewing her cud is about. That's what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. You may feel like sometimes you're drinking from a fire hose, but you're to take that and you're to think back over the truth. You're to let the truth sink in. Meditate on it. That's what David was doing out there when he was watching his sheep. He had time to ruminate on the word of God and it caused him to worship. Right out there alone on the hillside. Listen, that's what makes men strong. That's what makes women strong. That's what makes boys and girls strong in the word. Is you take that word of God and you let that soak in. You see what is God saying about me in this this chapter, in this verse. What is God doing with my heart? That's why we must take on the whole armor of God. Because it's the whole armor of God and it's the whole Christ. And notice he says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He said, I want you to take the whole thing. I want you to take it all. Don't cut any part out. Don't disregard any part. Because every part is needed for you to stand. That means we're supposed to get into it. We're supposed to know what it says. And we're supposed to apply it here. Because in that day, we can stand when everybody's patting our back. When everybody's singing our praises, when everybody's walking with us, but what about the evil day? That word evil here means the difficult day, the distressful day, the day when you're alone, the day when it's not going your way, the time when it's all downhill, all against you. It's dark. You don't know what you're doing. How are you going to stand that day? How are you going to withstand the temptation? How are you going to withstand the evil one in that day? It's the Word of God. Never changes. It's always relevant. It always frees us from sin. The Holy Spirit has enabled 
our minds as believers to know the truth. And the truth will set us free. Amen. That's right. So in the evil day, you've done everything you know to do. You've fought. You've prayed. You've done everything you know to do. With the armor of God, he says, stand. Stand. Don't stop standing. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we confess that we need you in this day and age in which we live. The world is creeping in. The darkness sometimes gets to us. The deception sometimes is more than we can understand. Father, your word is truth. Your word is light. Christ is the life that gives us the victory. Though you have already taken the victory, yet we must fight the battles line by line, street by street, house by house, until the victory is complete. Thank you for your work in us. Thank you for the grace that you give us. And I just pray this morning that the brothers and sisters here would be filled with your word. They would not shy away from any part of it, but be willing to embrace it. Be willing to stand firm and acknowledge that only by your grace can we stand firm. And I pray that we would remember that it's your battle. And you receive all the glory. And it's for your praise, for your purposes, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.